Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Truth. It's not exactly a favorite topic these days. Opinion is so much easier to explain and deal with. Speculation and conspiracy rule the roost. Who has time for the truth, especially when it doesn't agree with you? Well, Dr. Jennings joins us today via Skype to explain that an integrative, evidence-based approach to truth just may save the day. Dr. Jennings, what's on your heart? You know, I, I liked your introduction there. We're going to go into the integrative evidence-based approach in a moment, but you, you triggered a couple of things in my mind as you as you described that, the attitudes of of where we live today. Yes. I saw a cartoon just yesterday, and it was uh, two people side-by-side side in the little cartoon, and above the one it said, I think, therefore, I am. And the other one next to it said, I believe, therefore, I'm right. <laughs> Okay. And this is part of the problem that we have today. There's this attitude that, you know, your beliefs are your beliefs, and who are we to question your beliefs? We should be respectful of your beliefs, and your beliefs are your beliefs. And so people say, it's my truth. Well, that's that's not my truth. That's your truth, and you can have your truth, but this is my truth. And what they're doing is they're really perverting the word truth uh, and corrupting it into a belief. And it's it's a misunderstanding, again, of reality, which is truth or principles. And so here is a truth. It is true that each person is free to believe whatever they choose to believe. That is true. Mm-hmm. And the Bible teaches that principle. Every person should be fully persuaded in their own mind, Romans chapter 14, 5. So, so we value the principle of respecting people's right to come to their own conclusions. But here's the lie that has crept in in the way it's applied today, that because we have the freedom to believe anything we want, that all beliefs are equally healthy and valid. Mm-hmm. They're not. Mm-hmm. So what we've done is we have developed what's called the integrative evidence-based approach to differentiate beliefs and trying to identify those which are really valid because they're based on objective truth, how reality actually works. And God has given us three threads of evidence that we harmonize into our pursuit of understanding reality and truth. And the first thread that God has given us, historically the first thread, is science and nature. God's first book, he created reality, and there are laws upon which reality operate, laws of physics, law of gravity, laws of health. These truths are out there, and the Bible actually teaches this principle in the book of Job. It says, ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds of the air, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish of the seas inform you. Which of these does not know the hand of the Lord has done? Job 12, 7 to 9. Or Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hand. Or Romans chapter 1, it says, God's divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So not only do we have nature, the scriptures actually confirm that nature reveals truth to us about God and how reality actually works. And so we want to always include science in nature. And that's the first book that God made. The second thread of evidence that God provided is life experiences. Mm-hmm. After Adam and Eve were created, they had experiences with God. They had experience with a serpent. And then after the fall of man, the patriarchal leaders in Scripture like Noah they had experiences, and they talked with God, and they had experiences of life in addition to science and nature. And so 
the scripture also tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Check me out and experience me. And in the New Testament, when uh, Thomas was having a crisis of faith, Jesus told him to put your fingers here in my side, touch my wounds, stop doubting and believe based on not a Bible quote, but his experiences with Christ. And so our first book is Science and Nature. Second book that God gave us historically is Life Experiences. And then the third book that God gave us is Scripture. And that was added last by God because we became further and further away from Eden. We became further and further distant from God. Nature became more and more corrupted. And therefore, God added Scripture to enlighten our understanding of what we're actually seeing in nature and guide in our growth and experiences with God. And so we want to balance and always include all three, harmonizing them together. There are problems when we separate the three threads and use just one of the three. Mm. Science all by itself, disconnected from Scripture, frequently leads to godlessness. Experience all by itself frequently leads to mysticism and mystical religions. And Scripture all by itself leads to confusion. Now, a few years ago, I wrote a book, and, I, and the research at that time from the Christian Encyclopedia said there are 34,000 different Christian groups all out there identifying the Bible as their basis of faith. I just got an email from a friend this morning showing that now in 2018, the research shows there's 41,000 different groups out there, Christian groups out there arguing amongst themselves about what this scripture or passage means or what ritual they should do. And the point I'm making here is scripture disconnected from its anchors in reality, science and experience, is confusing and leads to all types of bizarre interpretations and conflicts and so forth. And so we present truth where we anchor all three together and all three threads come to the same conclusion. I like this because I was going to ask you, and you answered the question, but let's just highlight it just for a moment, life experiences. How do we know, and you can answer the question by listening to what you just said, how do we know that a life experience is, is something that God is bringing into our life or something the devil is bringing to our life? It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. That, that, exactly. That's not the question. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The question is, what are you learning from it? Yeah, either yeah. either you're, you know, you're being harassed by the devil or you're being blessed by God, but either experience is a learning opportunity for you to assess how reality works. And so it would be important for you to discern and not attribute the blessings of God to Satan and the cursings and of Satan to God. It would be important not to misattribute those aspects, but understanding those things for what they are really enlightens you to the goodness of God and the horribleness of evil. And you've tied them into science and you've tied them into scripture. So if, if that experience is supported by science and if that experience is supported by scripture, then you have that trifecta you're talking about. You have that combination, which means, oh, this is probably truth. There's all kinds of silliness out there when people separate these three threads, because first off, people misunderstand God's laws Mm -hmm. because they read scripture and the laws of God, and they don't connect the laws of God to reality, to science and nature. Thus, they don't see them as design laws, law of gravity, laws of health, laws of physics. They see them simply as arbitrary rules. And once they do that, then the scripture becomes very confusing and God becomes very harsh and untrustworthy in the way he is presented. So our challenge is to come back and when we read scripture, understand it harmonizes with reality around us. Example from the Middle Ages, Galileo says, hey, I've discovered that in fact the 
Earth rotates around the sun, and the Earth is not the center of the universe. And of course, it was church doctrine at that time that the Earth is the center of the universe and the planets and the sun rotate around the Earth. And so because that was their interpretation of Scripture and they were unwilling to harmonize science with Scripture, they imprisoned Galileo and he was considered a heretic. So this is a failure on that side of things, but we see failure on the other side of things as well when people will use science and not harmonize it with Scripture, such as evolutionary teachings on the origins of life, complete denial of this scientific and biblical evidence. So they come to false conclusions about life somehow spontaneously forming out of non-living matter all on its own. It's, it's really not supported by either science or scripture, but these things come forward because of pieces of science here or there trying to put together in a haphazard way. I can also see why, and let's just stay with life experiences, because that's what all of us are experiencing. So we're very familiar with life experiences in our own lives. I can also see that checking it out with science and checking it out with Scripture is a way for us to identify when the devil's doing his thing or when God is doing his thing. Am I right in saying that? You're exactly right, because there's some religious organizations in the world that actually elevate experience above Scripture yes, and science. Yes, yes, and this yes. is a very dangerous thing. It tells us in James chapter 1, this is where we bring the, the Bible piece in, that um, no one should say God tempts because God cannot be tempted by evil, neither does he tempt anyone, but each one of us are tempted. We're dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires or feelings. And so the Bible teaches that we are susceptible to, to experience temptation through strong emotions. Well, there are some religious groups out there that approach the discernment of truth with this methodology, that they don't look at evidence, they don't look at scripture, they don't look at science, they don't look at experience, they go to their closet and they pray until they get a warm feeling in the bosom that this is the right path to go on, and they wait for the feeling to tell them. That would be using the human experience as the barometer of truth while ignoring other avenues of truth, and that's quite dangerous. I can see this now. Science and nature and life experiences are, in reality, we just may not recognize it, but are, in reality, are operating with the same set of laws. And Scripture is simply a record of those people who have gone with or against those laws. Am I on the right track? You are absolutely, oh, that is so well said, Charles. I love the way you said that, because you're exactly right. But many theologians deny this. They will say, yes, God has natural laws or mm. laws of physics and laws of health. Those are laws that are design laws. But they will come along and say, but his moral law, yeah. that is not a design law. That's a rule that he makes up and that he enforces with punishment. And what they do is they've just attributed to God the character of a sinful human being. Yeah. And I will just point out very easily for you to see this, how it is still a design law. Can a person cheat on their spouse, commit adultery, and never be found out by their spouse without consequence to themselves? I would say that's not possible. They can't cheat on their spouse without consequences to themselves, even though they're not found out. That's correct, because what happens inside of them, they have anxiety, yes, they have yes. fear. They begin to worry that they might get caught. They begin to, to scheme, they begin to plot, they begin to make up stories to, to cover where they were and what they were doing, and thus they are being changed and transformed and corrupted mm -hmm. by their activity. This is an unavoidable design law, reaping what you're sowing, or the activity of the pathways that you activate in your own being change you. This is how we're designed. So you cannot commit sin without damaging yourself or break the moral laws without damaging yourself. It's, un, it's unavoidable. So I'm trying to teach people a methodology yes. for growing and maturing yes. discernment. 
and the mature are those who've developed by practice the ability to discern right from wrong, Hebrews 5.14. And this methodology requires that we apply ourselves and think and reason. See, there are beliefs out there in Christianity that if you have faith, you don't need evidence. You just believe. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Or my Bible said it, and I just take it like it reads. These types of platitudes are actually quite damaging because they're actually contradictory to how God designed us and his revealed will for us. It says in scripture, come let us reason together. And so these platitudes and religions that tell people just have faith, don't think about that, or you ask a hard Bible question like, hey, do you believe God has love? Yes. Do you believe that if you don't love him, he'll torture you in hell for all eternity? Well, yes. Well, that doesn't really make sense. That won't work on your spouse, will it? Will you go home and say, spouse, please love me, but if you don't, I'll I'll burn you tonight while you're sleeping. Will you get more love? (laughs) Well, they'll say, well, you know what? God's ways are higher than my ways. I just Mm. don't think about that. And so what they're doing is they're not exercising their capacities for reason and discernment, and therefore they're getting weaker and weaker and becoming more dependent upon people that they put in a position of esteem like a pastor or a pope or a a church leader of some sort to tell them what to think, and they're not actually capable of figuring right from wrong. They're what the Bible calls infants tossed back and forth by various winds of doctrine rather than mature people who can think for themselves. And so we don't try and tell people what to think at our ministry. We overtly say it over and over again. We are not here to tell people what to think. We want to help people develop and hone their God-given capacities to reason and think. Dr. Jennings, you have told us wonderful things today, and I invite our listeners to comeandreason.com. His books are there, The God-Shaped Brain, The God-Shaped Heart. Could it be the simple, The Aging Brain, an important one for me? That's all at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it so much. Always enjoy it, Charles. Listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Mm -hmm.